How's everyone doing? Good? Good? That's good to hear. Um, today we're going to start a new series uh, as part of what God's been doing in our church even this year. Who can believe it is July? Can you believe it? July 2023. It just feels like yesterday we were starting the year and we're already halfway through. It's crazy. Um, and uh, if you remember, this year we started the year looking at Romans 12. Do you, anyone remember that way back there? Where we went verse by verse through Romans 12. And we looked at how our relationship with God needs to be lived out to the world around us. It needs to be lived out in our relationships and, and how we live life. And we also, as we progressed through the year, we w- went on to Micah 6.8 and we looked at Micah 6.8 where it talks about what the Lord requires of us and the very fact that the Lord requires of us to honour what he has done for us or to even imitate what he has done for us in that that we are to love justice or love mercy, act justly and walk humbly with our God. And uh, again, all about our relationship with God but our relationship with each other. And then we did the God Is series for the last two months, which was excellent, wasn't it? If I encourage you, um, many of them are on YouTube or on the podcast. Have a listen to them again because we had so many different uh, aspects of God's character covered. The the amazing thing that we came to the conclusion of uh, through that series is if when we know who God is, then we discover who we truly are as his creation. If you remember, we discover that God is the source of everything. God is God, as I talked about a few weeks ago. And as being the source of everything, then that means our purpose and our identity is found in depending upon him. That we're not called to be God of our lives. The word of God says, be still and know I am God. Philip Yancey likes to say, paraphrase that as saying take a break from being God of your life and let God be God of your life and so we've been looking at all these things and a few weeks ago I got to go along to Chris and Des's home group or grow group and uh, we were having one of those um, ask the pastor anything sort of night and uh, so they're fun nights they're nice and fun and interesting but Judy Bourne uh, midway through the night decided just felt as Judy does bring something uh, I guess a bit more challenging and she asked me where do you think or what do you, what do you think is next for the church where do you think the church is at spiritually and it was really interesting because even just that week I'd been in a pastor's meeting where we were talking about what are the what is it about um, the Christian walk. What are the foundational things of the Christian walk? And uh, and God had been sort of starting to talk to me about what is next for us as a church this year. And, and really interestingly, I was talking to a pastor and we came up with this idea that there's three basic foundations of the Christian faith. And as I get older, you know, I'm 55 now, as I get older, I like simplicity. Anyone like that? I don't like complicated things. I like things plain and simple. And so three basic fundamentals of the Christian faith are number one, and most importantly overall, is that we are to depend upon God. 
that this is what Christianity is all about, having faith in God. Love us singing this morning together and singing about that we're safe in his arms. His arms are strong enough to carry. And that's what faith is, that we would put all our weight upon him and depend on him. And that's, that's bottom line foundational stuff for us as Christians. The second thing we understand is that relationships is what Christianity is all about. We talk about this church being a church of relationship, where we love God, love each other, and love the community we live in. And, it, and I, what's the quote? I say it all the time, but I'm forgetting it right now. But Rick Warren talks about the fact that we were formed for family, fashioned for fellowship, and what's the last one? And something for community. That's it. Created for community. These are, but this is the idea. God did not create us to be alone. We're not to be isolated. We're to be a part of a community, especially if we consider the church. But even wider than that, we're part of a bigger community, our world, and how we can bring God's love to that world. And so this idea that relationships are central to the Christian faith, continually throughout the New Testament, when, and they lived in a time of great conflict, great tension. They lived in a time where they were under the rule of a, a, a ruthless regime, Rome, uh, who, who controlled the world um, ruthlessly. And in that space, the the apostles would continually write to the early church and say, live at peace with the world you live in. Do what the authorities tell you. Live in healthy relationship. And so relationships are a key foundation. And, and we've covered these in the first six months of this year, depending on God and relationships is what we've been talking about. And so what is next? What is next? And I feel like this is what's next for us as a church and for us as a community is that what's next is something that we don't often like to talk about, but what's next are our spiritual practices and disciplines. Who likes that word, discipline? But the feeling that I get is that, church, it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Get to work in doing what God has called us to do. And the challenge for us is this, idea of getting serious with God and spiritual disciplines and, and spiritual practices is that the challenge for us is that it's not just going to happen. It actually takes us putting effort into it. And so let me explain it this way to, for you to understand and I'll talk a little bit more about what I mean by spiritual disciplines and practices and what that's all about in a moment. But the idea is us actually exercising our faith and this became real very real to me last year in my own personal life not my my faith but in my own physical life um, last about this time last year around July I went to the doctor and I had some blood tests and it came back that my cholesterol was high and something else wasn't quite I can't remember what it was my vitamin D or something wasn't quite right and and so he said, I'm going to make you an appointment with a dietitian to talk to them about how to help this. And so I got this phone call from a dietitian, and we we're talking. And she said, you could change your diet. She went through my diet and she said, it's not really terrible. You know, there's a few things you can change. But she said, studies 
now have shown that the thing that helps lower cholesterol the best is exercise, actual exercise. And not just going for a walk, but actually making yourself huff and puff. It were her words, huff and puff. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. I don't know, remember the last time I huffed and puffed, but, <laughs> but the reality of it, um, that I had to make a decision. I had to make a choice. I had to decide, what am I going to do? Could I be satisfied with my life? My life's not bad. My health's not that bad. My cholesterol's a bit high. There's risks involved with that. Do I really want to change? And I remember going for a walk and just on that walk, making a decision in my mind that no, I'm, I was, that time I was 54, I want to live till I'm old. I want to do everything I can to live a long and healthy life. And so I made a decision to start running. And so I asked my kids for Father's Day to buy me new running shoes. And they were very nice kids and they did that for me. Nice to have you back, Ella, back from the Philippines. Just saw you there. Um, and so September, around that time, I decided to start running. And I downloaded this app on my phone that said Couch to 5K. So you get off the couch and you get to 5Ks. And... Uh, and it's in your ears. And so for the first few times I ran, I'd run like, they'd say, run for 30 seconds and then stop and walk. And why are you laughing? <laughs> this, is, this is a serious moment. <laughs> and, and as you remember, we went on long service leave to New Zealand and I ran in New Zealand, continued to run. It made, a, made a, a priority and a decision in my life. that. And guess what? I still run today. And guess, guess what, I ran three times this week and, and um, yesterday I ran and I ran four and a half Ks in 30 minutes, non-stop, didn't stop. I think Roy's seen me run a few times along the Esplanade. The thing is I went back to the doctor, got blood tests and guess what? My cholesterol's down, my vitamin D's up, my health is better and such. And so I say that to say that if we want to get the most out of our life, if, we want, if I want to be healthy and, and live to see grandchildren and so forth, I need to make changes and make decisions and priorities in my life. And in spiritually, it's the same. And this is the thing. God has given us these incredible spiritual practices and disciplines to help us live a healthy spiritual life. But most importantly, what he gives them to us for is that we would know him more deeply and become more intimately acquainted with him. This is what they exist for. And this is really important for us to understand because in the church I grew up in and, and in the early days of my Christian faith, I actually got a wrong perception of spiritual practices and disciplines. I, being completely honest with you 13 years ago when we started this church I actually made a decision not to make certain spiritual practices and disciplines a focus in my life I, I'm, I sort of laid them aside or made them not as important as I had because the reality is in my life the spiritual disciplines I was practicing actually I was doing them to get God's approval I was doing them as a works program and dare I say, I, they were even becoming an idol to myself. And I'll give you, I'll explain 
the reason for this and share from my own today's message is a little bit personal but but the idea is when I was a young Christian I was going through a really difficult time I was feeling very discouraged very down now I look back on it I, I know the reasons why but at that time the youth pastor because I was about 16 17 the youth, youth pastor came around to visit me because I hadn't been at youth very much and different things and he's like what what's going on go and check him out I think my sister Chris wherever she's up the back she actually told him I wasn't doing very well good pastoral care go visit someone but um so he came around and, he, and the first thing he asked me is how's your relationship with God going and I said well not real great and he goes are you reading your bible and are you praying and I know you're not coming to church very much but are you reading your bible and you're praying and I said obviously I said being honest no I'm not he goes well that's what you need to do you need to fix it by reading your bible and praying and coming to church and I so in my mind the thing was God's unhappy with me so because I'm not reading my bible and praying and going to church as much as I should so I need to start doing those things to make God happy and make my life better and so from that time on the reality is that's how I viewed these spiritual disciplines reading my Bible praying were signs that I was a good Christian that I was a healthy Christian and so it became about performing a task and in some ways it almost became an idol in itself in my life in that I would read my Bible to get notes for sermons or to help people or to learn stuff so I can help others and be a good because my I felt my calling was to be a pastor so if I need to know the Bible so I can help others and I need to pray so I can get stuff so I'll pray pray so pray that I'll get into the ministry pray that I'll get a beautiful wife and pray that and you know God answers all your stuff um, but but I do that and I'd and and I'd made a decision that every time church is open, I'd be there. So I'd volunteer and help in whatever way. And so whenever there, there was a, uh, a service on, I would be there. Because that's what good Christians do. And these are really important spiritual practices. But I had lost focus on the reason why God had put them in place. Was to know him, not to please him as such. Does that make sense? Uh, and Jesus actually faced this challenge himself when he was walking the earth and the Pharisees came to him and challenged him and said, why are you performing miracles on the Sabbath? And why are, you, um, why are your disciples eating, picking wheat and eating it on the Sabbath? And, and because the Sabbath was a spiritual practice for them, as it still is today, uh, even for us to be in rest and stillness, but and they were saying and but to them the sabbath had become so important it become more important than even knowing god and so jesus responded to them and i'll explain it really well this way and he said to him the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath it's really important for us to grab a hold of that because a spiritual practice like the sabbath was made to help us as his children know him but it was never intended to be something that we as God's children served like a God itself we weren't made to serve a spiritual practice we were made to serve God only 
The spiritual practice is there to serve us. What, how does it serve us? It serves us in helping us know God more deeply. It serves us in helping us draw near to God. It helps us, and, and the Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God, but God rewards those who diligently seek him. And so as we seek him through these spiritual practices, we go to the Bible not to get a sermon or to do this or that, but we go to the Bible to say, I might actually discover more and more of who God is. And that's what it exists for. It's not a works program. It's a practice to help us live the way God's called us to live, to know him and that everything would flow from that relationship we have with him. Interestingly, and my son Benito told me this, never, you can learn from anyone, you know. <laughs> but he said to me, the word discipline and the word disciple come from the same root word. So interestingly, a disciple is someone who has become disciplined in a way of life or in a way of living. And so as disciples of Jesus, we have to become disciplined in living in the way of Jesus. So when we started this church, I made a conscious decision to not focus too much on those traditional spiritual disciplines like reading the Bible, praying and attending services and made a conscious decision to ex explore different spiritual disciplines and practices. And it's been really important, but the thing that I learned, and I'm not saying you shouldn't read your Bible, I'm not saying you shouldn't come to church, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray. Obviously you need to do all those things. But what I'm saying is we have to do them for the right reasons and, and the right purposes. Uh, the reality is, what I discovered with any spiritual practice or discipline is that it does take work and it does take discipline and it does take effort and it does take making it a priority for it to happen. It's not just going to happen. And I believe this next season of church for us is actually working on our spiritual discipline, getting fit, healthy, and learning about spiritual disciplines and then learning at ways to apply them to our lives so they can come and equip us and help us know God more deeply. And in that process, as we know God more deeply, our life will be transformed. And I pray and hope that at the same time, the world around us would be transformed as well when they see the kingdom of God at work within us. Now, a couple of things I just want to cover before we start talking about spiritual disciplines just to make sure we understand how they work and what they're about because it's really important for us to firstly understand that spiritual disciplines will never save you we don't do spiritual disciplines as part of a works program to get saved or get God's approval I've said that already but I just want to establish it the only way you find salvation is in Jesus. There, there's no other way. He, it's when you put, by the, we sang it this morning, by the grace of God. It, salvation is God's free gift to us through Jesus Christ and what he has done. So we receive salvation when we put our faith in Jesus as the Son of God. 
That's what the Bible says. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. It's not by works. It's not by any... It's, so you, reading your Bible is not going to save you. It might open your eyes to something and then help you understand more closely what, how amazing the gift of salvation is, but it won't save you. What saves you is putting your faith in Jesus. And so it's really important to understand that the purpose of a spiritual discipline is not salvation. But spiritual practices are given to us from God, as I've said, to know him more deeply. They are the way we draw close to him. And, and that's why there are so many different spiritual practices as well. Because God's created us all differently. We have our fundamental ones, but there's lots of different ways. And I, the, only, the best way I can describe it is in marriage. Imagine in marriage if you only related to your partner in two or three ways. So the plan is um, that I'm going to meet you for dinner every night at 6 o'clock and we'll sit and chat and have a meal together. Um, and then I'll go off and do my own thing. Uh, and then we'll come back together for sleep time. So we'll sleep in the same bed. Who never knows what else might happen at that point. But um, Judy. And, and, but, that, but that was the only way I related to my partner, to my wife. That it was dinner time and bedtime. And that's it. The rest of the time I did my own thing. Perfect. <laughs> The reality is your marriage would probably not work for a long time. Like for, it wouldn't survive for a great... But there are so many other ways you can develop your relationship with your partner, isn't there? There's, there's, not, there's date nights, there's all sorts of things. There's, there's talking to them, there's <laughs> learning their love language, whether they're one... Who's, there's all sorts of stuff, and we won't get into that now. But there's lots of stuff. And so in the same way, God has given us lots of ways that we can get to know him. And we're to, what we want to do in these next few months is actually explore a lot of those ways. And I'll share some, some of the stuff we'll be talking about in a moment. But you might be surprised, is, how does that work? But God will use anything to reveal himself to us. And, and often it is determined by how he's created us. Each of us are unique and different. Just like every snowflake is different, each one of us is different. So he's going to relate to us all differently. And this is where spiritual disciplines are really important. The second thing I want you to know about spiritual disciplines is that spiritual practices are essentially the practices of the kingdom of God. See, once you become a Christian, the Bible tells us that we are a new creation. Isn't that right, Nige? Amen. And that means everything is changed, everything is new. But that means that if we are new creations, then we have a whole new way of living, a whole new way of doing things, a whole new way of thinking. And, and the Bible says, be renewed by your mind and it, the transformative power of renewing your mind in this new way. But this is the thing that... This is where spiritual practices get real because this new way of the kingdom of God is different to the kingdom that we live in now. So it's so different, it means that we need to 
retrain ourselves. Who's ever gone through retraining? Is it easy? It's hard. Learning new things is hard. But it takes effort and it takes willpower and it takes priority and focus. Learning to run, you know, I'll just say this. For the first month of running, I was getting shin splints. Now I'm a podiatrist in, from the past. So I knew, in my mind, I knew shin splints are caused by overstriding and trying to go too fast. It's overworking. But I knew that in my mind, but I couldn't stop myself doing it in the natural because I didn't want to be seen like some old guy shuffling along the road. <laughs> Remember Cliff Young? I was thinking, they're going to think I'm the potato farmer. But I didn't want to shuffle like an old man, but my body was telling me, slow down. So I had to make a conscious decision to slow down. And, uh, and that took humility because I wanted to look good when I ran. <laughs> and uh, the fact is I still run faster than Julie, so that's all right. But the, this is the thing, it, I had to retrain myself and we have to retrain ourselves in the kingdom of God's ways. And that's why reading the Bible is so important because in there is everything we need to know about the kingdom of God and how it operates. And God wants us to get that in, into us. So that's why praying is so important. All these things are so important, these spiritual practices, because they help us retrain ourselves in the ways of God rather than the ways we've been brought up in which can be very deeply ingrained and take time to change so to put it simply the Bible tells us that spiritual disciplines and practices take hard work in other words pursuing God is not all fun and games and beer and skittles and rainbows and unicorns it's sometimes or most of the time it's hard work it's, it's about discipline and it's about making it a priority in your life. And I just want to share with you some scriptures to bring this home, just so you get an idea of it. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? So all of a sudden Paul is actually comparing the Christian walk to athletics. But only one receives the prize. Now, think of this prize not as salvation, but think of this prize as knowing God more deeply. Paul talks about it in Philippians. The prize that we're striving for is to know God, to know Jesus. And so, run that. So he says, So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things they do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly I do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control least after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified so you get a sense in that verse that Paul is saying this race that we're in, this, this battle that we're in, it means we have to be focused. We have to be disciplined. We have to make it a priority. You don't just walk through life, wander through, because it will knock you over. In 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 7, he says, Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So all of a sudden he's talking about the idea of a soldier. Who knows soldiers are disciplined? Soldiers, 
they train you or retrain you to be disciplined. When you've seen the movies, you've watched it, you've seen this idea, they grab these young guys who are riffraff and whatever and they make them into men as such. But no soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs or pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. But he uses these three analogies, the soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Farmers work hard, don't they, Gordo? They do. Get up at the crack of dawn and work and work and work. Athletes train and train and train. And, and this is the idea of what the Bible's telling us. The spiritual walk, the Christian walk is one of discipline. It's one of hard work. Now, this, this is challenging for us because it, it, God is wanting to challenge us to this new season where we would step it up in our desire to know him and pursue him in everything we do. 1 Timothy 4 says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Does that sense? Train yourself. That, that idea of working for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. For the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the saviour of all people, especially those who believe. So I could give you more and more passages of this idea that God is called us to a Christian walk that requires effort, work, training in every part of our lives. But let me give you a practical everyday example from our life today. And I, I'm reluctant in saying this, but I will say it. I'll use the example of the Port Power football team. It was marvellous. Unbeatable at the moment. They just cannot lose. But let me say this, that did not just happen. They didn't just wake up one day and think, I'm going to play better today. I'm just going to do better. They have been training for this. For some of those players in the team, they've been in like a boat. He's been training this for years. And other younger guys have been there for a while and they've been training. And day in, day out, they get up and they run laps. Day in, day out, they get up and do skills. And day in, day, in, day out, they do drills and they're midfield. You know, they throw the ball up and they practice tapping to certain spots. They practice kickouts. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure Dan Houston's practiced that kick that he did yesterday. Time and time again after training, just doing it and doing it and working and working. And all of a sudden, they've hit this purple patch where it all just seems to be coming together. And who knows what is possible? But they are working for each other, they are working together, and they are working to that plan, and they're sticking to it, and they're disciplined to it. As soon as they stop doing it, who knows what's going to happen? But as they stay disciplined to it, 
they are seeing the fruit of their work. And this is the challenge for us. God has given us many spiritual disciplines, all there to help us know him and grow closer to him. And when we get to that place of knowing him and growing closer to him and he reveals himself to us and and our lives are transformed and and changed and and we discover new things about him and and ways to do life anything is possible things change things are transformed our mind our thinking is different and we believe for greater things and we want to see God's hand move in our community but it's going to take work and effort And so over this next time, we're going to be looking at many of these spiritual disciplines that God has given us. It's just some of the things that we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about this idea of stillness or rest, this idea of Sabbath, that the rest that God has brought us to, and how to rest in God, how to switch off all the noise and and rest in Him. Gratitude and celebration, like we did today, was amazing, but always being grateful in our lives. It's a spiritual discipline and practice, having an attitude of gratitude. Prayer, worship in song, intercession, fasting, these are all ways that we discipline ourselves to know God, to draw closer to God. And maybe you've done these, maybe you haven't, but we're hoping that even this next time, you would start to explore the possibilities of, hey, I'm going to try to fast a day a week or do fast in some way as a decision to draw closer to him that he may transform my life. The Bible, and and this is the thing, we look at the Bible and think, i just got to read it. But there's so many different ways you can look at the Bible or read it, listen to it, watch it. There's so many different things you can do to get the most out of the Bible. Then things like, and accountability, vulnerability, and confession. The, the spiritual discipline of confession. To actually sit down with someone when you're going through difficult times. Or when things aren't going quite right. And you confess one to another. It's, it has a powerful effect. Meeting together in fellowship. Generosity and hospitality are spiritual disciplines that bring great change to our lives. Because they are ways that we discover who God is and when we know who God is we know who we are and when we know who we are we God gives us the power to do what he has asked us to do helping others and servanthood are spiritual disciplines that God has given us to know him and discover who he is and the last one on there I've put there are probably others that would look at as well but lament you know I shared that story about me being discouraged and sad when I was younger I actually look back on that time now and realize that I was probably in a place of lament. That I was in a place of pain because of different trauma that had happened to me in my life. And if my youth pastor was worth half his weight in anything, he maybe hopefully would have discerned that. Discerned that I was in that place and seen it as actually not a place of problem, but a place of possibility that as I lament with God, as I bring my pain to him, that I discover that God does his best work in the darkness. And that, that's just life transforming when you understand that. That in the difficult times, God is still there. And he's okay if we express our pain and our discouragement and our hurt. These are the spiritual disciplines we want to look at to help us as a church 
grow and know God more deeply. Now, I'd say it again, but I just want to make sure we understand it. We need to remember these practices are not there to help us get God's approval. God accepts us and loves us as we are. These practices are there for us to know God. And as we draw closer to God, that we would be transformed into his image, that we would become more and more like him, that we would see our lives transformed. We're not ticking off boxes here. These are there to help us draw close to him. And as we draw close to him, our lives are transformed. They can't stay the same. And as our lives are transformed, the world around us will be transformed because they're going to see the kingdom of God in operation in us. I'm going to ask Chris, where is she, my sister? I'm going to ask her to share a testimony that she shared at Grow Group the other week when I was there about how God spoke to her in a time of difficulty through spiritual disciplines that he had placed in her life. So thanks, Chris. Um, I just, what happened was um, at Grow Group the other week, I just felt to share a testimony of what God had started to do with me. Um, Right through this year, I've just felt this real um, sadness and this, uh, yeah, I've just had this real sadness over me and I just didn't feel like happy or joyful or whatever, but I just had this happiness, this sadness and I couldn't understand why I had it I just didn't understand and then one day as I was just thinking about it I realized that I was actually grieving and my grieving was the fact that I had become an empty nester and that I had gone from being uh, someone who had had uh, kids in my house all the time I had a fridge that was always full always empty because they ate too much um, and always emptied out my fridge Um, and I had also had kids that late at night would sit and chat to me and that was the best time to get to know them and all of a sudden that had all gone at the beginning of this year the last child left and um, and I didn't realise that I was actually grieving that and that's what was making me sad was the fact that I had Des, but he was a happy <laughs> he was a happy empty nester but I was a sad empty nester he was happy to be an empty nester and I was really sad to be an empty nester because and he was excited because we were going into our next season of life and I was supposed to be feeling excited about it but I wasn't I was really, really sad and I was really cross at God because I was feeling sad but I was also knew it was the right thing but I was, yeah, so I had all these mixed emotions and I was telling the group this and then what happened was one night just before grow group I couldn't sleep and now my practice is that when I don't sleep I get up and I go into, if you know our home, we have a family room and I go into a corner where my chair is and I take my Bible and I just spend time with God when I can't sleep. And that was my practice. But I hadn't practiced this because I was cross at God because he made me an empty nest and I wasn't going to, I was not going to talk to him about it. I didn't want to. But I, this night, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, 
okay, I'm getting up, Lord. I'm taking my Bible. I'm going to come into the lounge and I'm going to spend some time with you. And just as I did that, and I sat there and I said to him, I'm so cross. I don't want to feel this way, but I am feeling this way. And I was crying, sobbing, and I was just letting him know how I felt. And as I did that, I sat down and I opened my Bible. And as I opened my Bible, it opened to a scripture about God knew my heart. God knew my heart and my heart mattered to him and he knew how I was feeling and he knew that I was in that grieving time and just as we I read that scripture about him knowing my heart and that my heart mattered to him I just felt this peace come over me and it just felt like I could just give it to him and that I had to realise that I could be have joy through any circumstance because my joy wasn't what I was feeling but my joy was in God and that I needed to rely on him through this whole situ- situation, not on me. And see, one of the things I've always done is I have spent time with God. It hasn't, I've just, I've loved reading my word. I have loved the word of God because the Word of God to me always gives me understanding of what God wants to happen in my life. And He just, God speaks to me through His Word. He always has. And I love spending time in His Word, but I didn't want to because of how I was feeling. But I was so excited that at that time God just really spoke to me and He just lifted what I was feeling. And yeah, I'm still finding it hard being an empty nester but I'm excited about the next step and I'm excited because God is with me through all the situation that's what he told me he said I'm with you I know what you're going through Chris I know what you're feeling but I'm walking with you I'm standing with you through this and I'll carry you at times and that's okay I'll carry you but other times we'll walk together and that's how it is and that's just me learning to rely on God and his word to me fills me and that's what makes me excited. So thank you. See, as we develop these spiritual disciplines in our life, they come and they serve us. They serve us. We don't serve them. They serve us to help us know God and know God's plan for us at that time. It's transformative. I want to finish with one last illustration. And we'll close with this. But I was talking to a pastor a few weeks ago and he talked to me about this analogy of faith, which I thought was really powerful. And he talked about the fact that in life, we've come to this place in our modern world where we have everything at our fingertips. And often as Christians, we often look at life in the same way as we do in the world is that life and our faith is like a device. And we have these things called devices. Who loves their device? They're very useful. Everything at your fingertips. You want to know anything? You just say, hey, Siri, hey, Google, tell me this, tell me that. We're at Steve's the other week and he was asking Alexa stuff. And 
and uh, it was sort of making Judy superseded. But um, <laughs> but the reality is, we we look at life as if it's a device. Or we and this can come into our faith area as well. That that God becomes like a device. God, I need this. I need that. God, I want this. I want that. God, I, I'm I'm sad. Make me happy. God, I'm poor. Make me rich. God, I'm sick. Make me healthy. And so we see and we treat him like a device. But this person talked about the fact that God never created us to rely on him as a device. But rather, our faith is to be like an instrument, like something over here. That our faith is something that we are to incorporate into our life. And the reality is, I can sit down here uh, to play this instrument, you ready for it? And uh, I might be able to play a chord. See, well done. Good job. You hear this? Anyone get that one? No? Oh, okay. Tyson, why don't you come up here? Come up here, Tyson. I haven't told him this. I'm putting him on the spot. But Tyson, not, why don't you play us something? Just play, just play something that you love playing. Play something a bit more than that. Come on. Come on. Show us your skills. Show us your skills. How long have you been playing piano, Tyson? And how often did you go to lessons? Your parents paid for that? And did you practice? <laughs> but obviously enough. It, this did not just happen. He did not just sit down at a piano and start... Now, there are some freaks that do that. But they're, they're, yeah, it's probably not the right word, is it? <laughs> Some, what do they call them? Geniuses, prodigies, prodigies. Yeah, sorry. Prodigies that can do that. And it's, that's incredible. That's a gift. But for the majority of us, we have to learn it. And some don't learn it at all. That was a few lessons learning to playing organ from me when I was 10 years old. But Tyson just showed us what is possible when you learn to play an instrument and this is what our faith is it's not a device it's an instrument god wants us to learn this amazing instrument that he has given us and it takes practice it takes effort it takes prioritizing it takes putting it into our very life and making it a part of our life that I would get up at six or seven in the morning and run because I want to be healthy, that I would prioritise God's spiritual practices that would help me live my life so it is an instrument to God. 
that when I live my life, it plays this amazing, the Bible talks about it being like a, a beautiful offering that's a fragrance to God and brings honor and glory to him. This is what God is calling us to, that we would discipline ourselves, that we'd put into practice and put in the effort. And over these next couple of months, we're going to keep exploring this and, and be really practical in it and really look at really practical ways that we can continue to learn and grow in God, ways that we can draw closer to God, because as we know him, our lives will be changed. Our lives will be transformed. They won't be transformed by just ticking a box and saying, I've read this bit of my Bible today. They will be transformed when we know that in the word, like Chris said, is the life that speaks into our existence and transforms our lives. Let's pray. As we pray, I want to invite you into this new exercise regime with Jesus. I want to invite you into a place where we would learn and discover or maybe even rediscover spiritual practices and disciplines in our life and that we can develop them in our lives. And my prayer is that we would, in that process, that we would be transformed as we become more intimately acquainted with Jesus. And that's what I'm inviting you to today, is that to be more intimately acquainted with Jesus and inviting you into that place where you say, that will be my priority. I will make that my focus. As we sang today so powerfully and beautifully, that we would pursue him with everything we have. So why don't you join me and pray that with me. Pray and say, God, I am available. Show me your ways. Lord God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for where they are at right now in their walk with you. Some may be better than others. Some may be in difficult spots. Some may be in great spots. It doesn't matter where we are at. As such, what matters is who we are focused on. And God, I just pray right now that you would help us put our eyes upon you. To, as we sang today, turn our eyes on Jesus. For, you to, for us to turn our eyes on Jesus, we have to turn our eyes away from other things. And God, I pray today that that would be our heart that we would put our attention and our focus on you. You say in Hebrews 12 that as we put our focus on you, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's what we pray, God, that in this time we dedicate this next season to you, that you would be the author and perfecter of our faith, that it would be this beautiful instrument that plays an amazing melody that brings delight and glory to you. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.